Morgan Chase Bank, NA member FDIC. Hey, you didn't have to go to college to be a college sports fan. Get all our college football coverage all day, right here. 105.5 and 97.5. We are the Roar. Touchdown! Where every day is game day. It's such a... Number three out of bounds, William Quaggenbush and Mike Vaughn with you. Final hour of the show today. Big day for Clemson. Nine o'clock pregame, 9.30 tip. Clemson, NC State, the 3-6 matchup in the ACC men's basketball tournament up in Greensboro. You know, Omaha Hank asks a good question. He says this, are we pulling for Rutgers or Michigan? Lenardi has Rutgers in and Michigan next four out. Jerry Palm has Michigan in and Rutgers out. Eileen Rutgers, but does it just not matter who wins? You know, in that particular game, it might not matter who wins. Or we might not know if it matters regardless. Uh, I did look at Brad's, uh, bracket matrix during the break. Rutgers is in 69 uh, of the 92 brackets that they include in their list. As an 11 seed, they are one of the last four in. Michigan is one of the last four out. They are only in three brackets. So one of those brackets happens to be Jerry Palm. But I do think that Michigan is probably out of the tournament right now. Rutgers is probably in the tournament right now. And you can make the argument. This is where I'm going to kind of, I'm going to kind of argue with myself a little bit. And then we'll go to Chuck and Taylor's. On the one hand, you could argue, well, it'd be it'd be better for Clemson if neither one of those teams made the tournament. That's true, but I, I would almost rather just eliminate potential, uh, you know, eliminate potential problems. And Michigan is a potential problem. It's a team in Clemson's way. So when Michigan falls, Clemson rises, and you get Rutgers deeper into the tournament, I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily because I think – I think Big Ten teams that are already in, it's going to be hard for them to play their way out. That's just kind of the way I that's kind of the way I see things. But ultimately it probably doesn't matter all that much. Some of these other games, it's it's actually it's quite clear who Clemson should be uh should be pulling for. Like the the Mississippi State Florida game where you should be pulling for Florida. Let's go to Chuck and Taylors, who's up with us next on the phone. Six five four Roar is the number. What's up, Chuck? What's going on, Quack? And Georgia called last night, too, on the baseball. Anyway, uh, I got one question for you on the on the basketball tonight, uh, and I'll let you go. What do you think Clemson's got to shoot from three to win this game? I'm going to say over 30%, and then I'll let it go with that. And... Uh, if we had Valerie Cagle on every team, I think we'd win every game. So <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. Well, if we could clone her, can we clone Valerie Cagle? You, you know what I mean. You know, you could probably if you could clone the the um, like the the whatever drives her in her internal being. Yes, right. I think that'd be good. Man, what a show! I tell you what, man. Who would who would ever believe the Clemson softball the way they've done and. Uh, that's a testament to Ripman and them. I mean, man, 
My God, guys, I, I, I just can't believe it either. But anyway, kudos to the softball team. And uh, anyway, but that's my thought. I just had your question. What do you think Clemson needs to shoot from three tonight to win that ball game? And I'll let it go. Thanks very much, Chuck. Appreciate the phone call. You know, I think Clemson needs to shoot well from three. But this is a rare instance where I I, I, I don't, well, I said they need to shoot well from three. I think Clemson would prefer to shoot well from three. In this particular matchup, I'm not sure they have to. And here's what I mean. Chuck said Clemson needs to shoot over 30%. To me, that's below the line for this team. You look at the numbers for the season. All right, you look at the numbers for the season. Clemson's shooting 36.9% from three. That's top 40 in the country, all right? They're a really, really good three-point shooting team. They're a top 25 effective field goal percentage team in America, which weights threes as one-and-a-half shots, okay? By the way, Miami has beaten Wake Forest 74-72. Appleby fouled out, and that is a legitimate hang-on situation for Miami. I mean, goodness gracious. That was dreadful down the stretch of the game. And uh, they were able to hang on. They were up, what, as many as 15, I think, maybe more than that. Yeah, uh, Miami missed free throws right there at the end. Wake gets the ball back with 2.7 seconds but can't make the long three to uh, to take over the lead. So Miami advances. Marquette is up four on St. John's at the moment, 62-56. Um and actually, now, wait a minute. Yeah, 60 to 56 is the score. Um, Iowa State and Baylor tied at 56 with nine minutes left. And let's see. are there? I think there are a couple other games that just went final here. Uh, let me get those. And then I'll get back to, I'll get back to Chuck's question about three-point shooting. I mean, I'm, I'm actually curious what people think, you know, what, what folks in the audience think the, that the, the keys are to this game. Because I... I think the keys are very similar to what I said beforehand in the in the meeting with NC State and Raleigh a couple weeks ago. Clemson beat NC State shooting 30% from three. There were six of 20. That was the home game. What they did was make free throws, and they held NC State to eight for 31. That is truly what Clemson's been good at, and I'm going to go back to these stats in a second, okay? I'm going to go back to these stats and make sure everybody knows what the deal is with Smith and Joyner and how I feel Clemson needs to play uh, in order in order to win this game. To, to me, it is way more important for Clemson to defend a certain way than it is for Clemson to score a certain way because you are going to score against NC State. They are going to score against NC State. It's just a matter of who's getting the points. Hunter Tyson went off in the first game for 30-plus when nobody else was really scoring. Again, they were 30%, but they also made all their free throws. I think they have to shoot more than 20 free throws, and they have to make 80% of their free throws. I think that's that's number one offensively, and that's literally the only thing. Now, the other two goals are uh, DJ Burns needs to play less than 25 minutes. You need to get him in foul trouble. That didn't happen last time. DJ Burns went off and Clemson still won by 25 because they did hit threes. But the thing that is most important when you're facing NC State and the thing that Virginia Tech didn't do last night and the thing they haven't done, and that that is the critical piece. The thing that Virginia Tech hasn't done, that they cannot do, that they will not do, that they never have done, is to contain Smith and Joyner. They have to shoot more than one 
Uh, they have to shoot more, uh, more field goal attempts than they have points. They need to average less than one point per field goal attempt. And I'll give an example of I'll give you an example of what I mean, and then we'll go back to the phones here because I know Jill wants to talk about this. In last night's game against Virginia Tech, I said these numbers earlier, but they are all worth repeating. In last night's game against Virginia Tech, Terquavion Smith had 30 points on 11 of 13 from the floor. Now, that includes foul shooting. I think he was 5 of 5 from the foul line, if I remember right. But 30 points on 13 shots is really, really, really efficient. That's way more efficient than Terquavion Smith normally is. I'll just go ahead and tell you, if he's doing that, it doesn't matter whether you get off the bus or not. If he's going to go 11 for 13, it doesn't matter if you if, if you get off the bus or not. He's going to have a good day. Jarkel Joyner, 20 points on 8 of 15 last night. That means they combined for 50 points on 28 shot attempts. That's more than half of NC State's points, by the way, in last night's game. Slightly more than half. And to Brian Edwards' point... They played a lot of minutes in that game. My goodness, they played a lot of minutes in that game. I was shocked, too, that he was on the floor late. I thought I'm he, – he had the ball um, – I think he threw it ahead or maybe grabbed a dunk or, or something like that. I, and I, I thought to myself, why in the world is Smith in this game? Are they, are they trying to bust the algorithm? I don't know. Are they trying to make the tournament? I don't know. Maybe Kevin Keats knows they, he's got to make the tournament to save his job. I, I don't know. But there was no reason for Tequavion Smith to play 38 minutes in a game last night. There was no reason for Casey Morsell to be playing 36 minutes. There was no reason for Jarkel Joyner to play 34 minutes. Now, this is where I'll also say that players can bounce back much better now than they used to because the AAU circuit and the fact that you're playing a bunch of games in the same day, like the fact that you've got enhanced recovery apparatuses at these schools inside these programs, it makes it a little bit easier to do that. But playing 38 minutes at that level and then coming back and doing that again the next night is very, very, very difficult. So Quavion Smith was great in a game last night. Jericho Jones was great in a game last night. You know when they were also great? When they uh, played Virginia Tech earlier in the year. NC State played Virginia Tech back on January the 7th. They won by four, so it wasn't like last night, but they went to Virginia Tech. This is right before Clemson won at Virginia Tech. NC State did. And here's what DeQuavion Smith did in that game. He had 22 points on 6 of 19. Jarkel Joyner had 21 points on 6 of 13. So they combined for 43 points on 32 shots. And they took 20 free throws in that game. Smith was 8 for 10. Joyner was 8 for 10. Okay, here's what that means. In two games against Virginia Tech, again, we're supposed to be very, very, very concerned about what NC State did against Virginia Tech last night. In two games against Virginia Tech, Smith is averaging 26 points a game, and Joyner is averaging 20.5 points a game. That's 46.5 points per game between those two guys. Combined, they are 31 of 60 from the floor against Virginia Tech. In two games. Their eyes light up when they see Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech, defensively, they don't have the length and they don't have the defensive. They do a lot of good things. Uh, they do a lot of things well defensively, but contesting shots with some of their smaller guards, not the strong suit, okay? Here's what Smith and Joyner have done against Clemson this year. First meeting at home. Again, this is the, the closer of the two games. Smith goes 21 points, but he's 5 of 21 from the floor. 
Joyner has six points. He's two of 11 from the floor. They combined for 27 points on 32 shots. Again, cha-ching, 27 points on 32 shots. That's a winner right there. You're going to win that game. Second meeting in Raleigh. Smith, 10 points on 4 of 14. Joyner, 16 points on 3 of 15. 26 points on 29 shots. Cha-ching. There again. In two games against Clemson, Terquavion Smith and Jarkel Joyner, an elite backcourt, I might add, have combined for 53 points in the two games. That's 26.5 points per game. That's 20 points per game less than what those two guys have averaged against Virginia Tech. Again, the, the game we're supposed to be very concerned about. And they are a combined 14 of 61 from the floor. So you got 53 points on 61 shots for those guys. That's not winning basketball. That's losing basketball if you're NC State. Losing basketball. If Clemson could keep them under one point per shot attempt, that's that's a win. They will win this game. If Smith and Joyner, because they will shoot a lot regardless. If they are not efficient, they will not win. Oh, Jill, get back in. I was coming right to you at the end of the segment. Get back in. 654-ROAR is the number. I know Jill wanted to Jill wanted to talk about this game. Mel Carrier-Keith says defending the three is huge. To me, defending the three is more important than shooting the three for Clemson. Again, because they won a game in which they only made six threes earlier in the year. There were six of 20 from three in the first meeting. It was Hunter Tyson from the mid-range. And I also think, again, the, only, the reason that my benchmarks – the only offensive benchmark I have for Clemson is from the free throw line is because NC State will freely foul you. Freely. They foul at a very high rate. And they they don't draw a lot of fouls. They take tough shots. Now, they make tough shots, but they will, they will commit lots and lots of fouls. And Clemson is like an 80% free throw shooting team. In fact, people don't realize this, but Clemson is an elite foul shooting team in the country. Clemson fans have bemoaned free throw shooting since before I was born, well before I was born. Clemson is sixth in the country from the foul line this year, 79.3%. You look in ACC play, here are Clemson's offensive numbers. They are number one from two in conference play at 55.4%, and they are number one from the free throw line in conference play at 82.5%, and they are fifth in the country in free throw rate. Me, or Excuse me, fifth in the conference in free throw rate, meaning they get to the line, a pretty good amount. Fifth out of 15 is pretty good. They're making free throws. 82.5% is unbelievable. And they got everybody making them. And they're making twos at a very high rate. They're still shooting 35% from three, which is sixth in a conference. Meanwhile, NC State defensively in league uh, is about an average defensive team, but they are the worst fouling team in the league. Now, they are also the best team at defending the three. So, again, like I said... I don't think you're going to shoot 10 of 19 from three like you've done in the past. But what you are, like you did in Raleigh, what you are going to do, in my opinion, is you are going to be able to pump fake and drive the ball. What you are going to do is be able to get where you need to go in the mid-range. You're going to be able to get passing lanes because they are going to fly out on shooters. They don't want you going 10 for 19 again from three. They don't want you getting hot early in the game. But you'll be able to get twos in the mid-range. And you'll be able to get twos at the foul line. P.J. Hall, Hunter Tyson, Ian Shefflin, love that spot. That little money box right there. And you're going to be able to get to the rim and get fouled. That's going to happen against NC State. 
That, to me, is more important. Can you get fouled? Can you cash in those two-point opportunities? Because the threes, you, you can't count on making those threes against this particular opponent. Qualk, in addition to the game uh, with NC State tonight, a lot of folks on the Adams & Co. roofing text line wanting to know what other game winners will help Clemson in their bid to get into the tournament. We'll talk about that on the other side because we've already seen one or two of these games. Uh, and uh, St. John's and Marquette, by the way, in overtime, that doesn't impact Clemson, but that's just March, baby. I love it. 654-ROARS, the number you want to get in on the phones. You want to get in on the Adams & Co. roofing text line. Hour three of the program continues. We'll give you some teams to watch out for that need to lose right after this. Are allergies keeping you down in March? Zero Res Air Duct Cleaning's professional cleaning process removes dirt, dust, and pollen from your air ducts, helping you to reduce allergens in your home. This means you can enjoy a cleaner, healthier indoor environment. Right now, mention my name, Mickey Plower, at the Roar, and you'll get $50 off your next air duct cleaning. Use a promo code AIR50 when scheduling online at ZeroResGreenville.com. Wakefield Automotive has built a reputation of trust with its loyal customers for decades. Their family-owned business loves helping the upstate save. Now they have the Wakefield Family Promise. Even with new vehicle shortages, you will never pay over MSRP for your new Buick or GMC. Get the best price on your new Sierra, Yukon Envision, or Encore GX, and the excellent service you expect from them. So don't pay a big markup. Experience the Wakefield Automotive Family Promise and save. Visit us today at 300 West St. John Street in Spartanburg or at wakefieldauto.com. SDC Heating and Air is here to keep your family cool in the summer and warm in the winter with premium Heil units, supercharged with 100 years of superior engineering and quality manufacturing. SDC is Clemson alumni-owned and celebrating over 20 years of serving Tiger fans across Oconee, Pickens, and Greater Greenville. Be sure to like their Facebook page for giveaways, promotions, and specials. That's E-S-T-E-S Heating and Air on Facebook to win prizes and receive specials on HVAC services and installs to keep your family comfortable all year long with Heil units. M&J Auto Parts is your local independent auto parts warehouse. If you have an import, domestic, or slingshot vehicle, we have the parts you need. With over 100 years of staff experience, we'll get you back on the road quickly and affordably. We have also partnered with Jasper Engines and Carrier of Country Off-Roading Parts. All parts carry a national warranty, so if a part fails, you are covered. Visit our warehouse, 106 West Wade Hampton Boulevard, Greer, or call us at 864-469-9389. We are here to help you. M&J Auto Parts. Do you ever wish you had food from the good old days, just like grandma made it? Like hot out of the pan sweet potato crunch, seasoned collard greens, mac and cheese, jalapeno cheddar cornbread, and homemade peach cobbler? Add in the main course, crispy chicken wings, hand-pulled pork, chicken, ribs, or brisket that's been slow smoked for 14 hours on a custom-made Texas 1,000-gallon smoker? It's at Smitty Smoke and Soul Food, 5284 Calhoun Memorial Highway in Easley. Smitty Smoke and Soul Food, just like grandma made it. Needing to rent a mini excavator like a Bobcat E32, a skid steer, or wood chipper? Or maybe a smaller tool like a pressure washer, jackhammer, or compactor? McNeely's Store and Rental has got you covered. Clemson alumni-owned renting equipment and selling materials for more than 30 years. We also sell septic materials, ADS drainage products, concrete boxes, real stone veneers, and more. With two upstate South Carolina locations in Clemson and West Union, McNeelyStoreandRental.com. Or call Matt for a quote today, 828-553-4338. When it's time to replace your roof, 
There are so many things to consider, from the type of roof you have to the many types and styles of shingles. Gillstrap Roofing understands how each part of a roofing system works together to give you a beautiful and watertight barrier. Don't trust the one thing that really protects your home to just anyone. Gillstrap Roofing has been covering the upstate for four generations. Proven, experienced roofers for your home or business. Gillstrap Roofing, 269-1232. Powered by Upcountry Fiber. We are 105.5 and 97.5 The Roar. Providing fiber internet, HDTV, and phone service, Upcountry Fiber is a stronger connection. From the Liberty Bridge in Falls Park to the top row in Memorial Stadium, we are your home for sports across the upstate. 105.5 and 97.5, we are The Roar. All right, hour three continues out of bounds. Uh, Mike, to your question and to other people's question, we'll tell you who to root for throughout the day. One team that we told you to root for is on a 14-3 run since the break, and Florida now leads Mississippi State 40-39. to So that's, that's good for Clemson because Mississippi State is one of those teams that is kind of in that bubble mix and, you know, what's fascinating about this is I've, I've listened to a lot of chatter in the last few days. I'm going to give you the rest of the teams to root for. Don't worry, but I need to set this up because Rutgers beat Michigan 62 to 50 in what I would say is just a colossal letdown for Michigan, but they're, they're done. Put a fork in Michigan, put a fork in Wisconsin. Stop putting 14 loss, big 10 teams in the bracket. Just stop doing it. You look like an idiot. Anyway. Be that as it may, I've been listening to a lot of pundits talk about the bubble and who should be in and who should be out. And one thing that is abundantly clear to me is that basketball people are of the opinion exclusively. I've not seen anybody push back on it, like not on the four letter, not on other networks. I've not seen anybody say Clemson's not a tournament team because they lost to Louisville. Haven't seen it. Nowhere. Haven't seen it on Fox. Haven't seen it on CBS. The only people that don't think that Clemson's a tournament team are the bracket industry. And you might say, well, Quack, I mean, Lenardi and Jerry Palm and these people, that they, they don't have any say. Well, don't they, though? I mean, don't they? It's the it's the same principle that we use in like election politics coverage, right? Like political election season where, you know, the the news can't go and vote for people. But the news, whoever can report stories in a way that makes one candidate look better or worse. They can choose what stories to cover and not cover so that it makes one candidate look worse. So that the opinion of the people who are consuming that. Who, let's face it, the committee's not watching all 30 games of every team on the bubble. It's not happening. It can't possibly be the case. They are looking on paper at a resume, and they are curious what other people might also be saying about those resumes. That, that's why all of this is important. So when I say you got to root against Florida against Mississippi State, what I'm not saying is if Mississippi State loses, they're out of the bracket. Because I don't know. But what I do know is this. Mississippi State is about five teams away from being out of the bracket right now. 
And so if they're three teams away from being out of the bracket, they are right on the cut line. They might make it in as an eight seed. I'm just telling you what the bracket industry is saying because the bracket industry does have sway in the room. Truly. That, that industry does have sway in the room. How could you not? That's what we, we've talked about the, the narrative surrounding college football and the fact that that does have sway in the room. It does, because you know what's got to happen is those committee members, and particularly the committee chair, have to come out of the room, and who are they answering questions from? Not me or you. Not Joe Public. It's the national voices that get to sit across or sit in a press conference, and they sit across from these people, and they're asking them questions, and they have to answer to them. They have to answer to them. They have to justify now because we have this bracket industry of bracketologists. and, and I, Like, I appreciate that they function as a guide, but we have this industry of bracketologists that all of a sudden they now have to decide or, or they have to, to answer questions about why is the committee's bracket different from yours? And the committee has to say, why is your bracket different from Lenardi's? And there's hate, 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 hate on all sides from all the teams. There, there is a correlation between what the bracket people say and what the committee's going to do. And whether the bracket people are, like, talking to people on a committee, I don't know. But just know that they are one and the same. So it does matter. We just don't exactly know how much. We don't know exactly where that line is. So when I'm telling you, root for Florida over Mississippi State, that's all That's all it is. It doesn't mean that if Mississippi State loses, then Clemson gets in or that Mississippi State's officially out or anything like that. It just means you're hurting one of your peer schools. So, again, just that's a disclaimer to, as we say all the time, just don't hear what I'm not saying. Uh, Mississippi State, by the way, in the net right now, uh, 46. If you look at their team sheet, they are 4-7 and seven in quad one and 3-3 three and three in quad two. So their quad one and quad two, very similar to Clemson's. Very similar to what Clemson's done in quad one and quad two. Again, just throwing that out there for kicks and giggles in case anybody cares about that. Here's something I care about, Qualk. Do they not update Lenardi every day? Because uh, yes. They, they still have Charleston listed in the next four out. That's what I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. He should have put Charleston in the bracket. Yes. He should have put him in there, and Hofstra is out of the bracket. That's what should have happened already. Yeah, he he should have updated, um, of like, I mean, obviously that a couple days ago, but there's an updated bracket out late last night from Lenardi. Should be, but Charleston's still in there. You're right about that. A bit of an oversight. Here's some of the big games, and if you're a Clemson fan, who you need to be rooting for. 2.30, Pittsburgh-Duke. Root for Duke. Pittsburgh is one of your best wins. It's a quad one, but it's not going to not be a quad one because Pitt loses to Duke. You know what might happen, though, is Pitt might not make the tournament. If Clemson wins a couple games and Pitt goes one and out, all of a sudden you start stacking resumes up. Clemson had a better record in the league. They beat Pittsburgh head-to-head. Pittsburgh's fading down the stretch. Clemson's playing well right now. If you're just looking at head-to-head, it's easy to look at head-to-head among league peers. I think you need Duke to beat Pittsburgh here. The other game at 2.30, I think you need UConn to beat Providence. Now, that game's getting a late start because St. John's and Marquette are in overtime, and Marquette just retook the lead from St. John's at the free throw line with 15.8 seconds left in OT. That Providence-UConn game is going to be madness. 
I think UConn is better than Providence. How much better? I don't really trust because Providence is a little bit up and down. They're just, it's a little bit of a ride the wave team. And you never know what you're going to get in a tournament setting with, uh, you know, with a, uh, with a team like that. Um, elsewhere, three o'clock. West Virginia, Kansas, it's possible West Virginia's still on the bubble. I kind of think losing to Kansas won't matter to West Virginia. But if you're going to root, I mean, look, don't limit yourself. It's kind of like when we pray. People are like, should I pray about that? Well, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm already praying about so much. Who cares? I mean, God's infinite. It just, just dump them in there. Just pray for it, man. Just pray for it. Yeah, just root for West Virginia or root for West Virginia to lose. By the way, some sad news there. Have you seen the story about, or the reporting, I should say, about Bill Self today? Have you seen this? Bill Self had some sort of a, according to several reports I've seen, some sort of a vascular episode, like a heart deal, and had to go to the hospital. And so he is not coaching in the game, and we don't know how long he's going to be out. I'm also seeing that uh, Lance McCullers is also out for Kansas. He's a Texas Tech transfer that has added some scoring, but really is an elite defensive wing. Kansas's best attribute is they guard the crap out of you. They guard a fantastic. It may be the best, uh, it may be the, the most tenacious Kansas team that I've seen in some time in terms of getting up in your grill and guarding without a major rim protective force in the middle. Now, they've got to smooth out some edges with Grady Dick and some of those people. Like, they got to smooth out some edges there defensively and protect some things, but they've got some elite defenders. If you don't have McCullers, you don't have one of those elite defenders. So just keep that in mind today, uh, watching West Virginia and Kansas. 5.30, this is a game in a Mountain West Conference tournament. San Jose State, Nevada. You need to root for San Jose State. Nevada Nevada is, depending on where you look, they're a last four team in, first four teams out, something like that. Lenardi has them, I believe, the last team in at the moment. Nevada is, is 36 in the net. They have six road wins, which is good. They have eight wins in the first two quadrants. Four and five in quad one, four and two in quad two. They have two quad three losses, but they also have, I mean, they've got some good wins now. They've got barely a quad two win against Tulane, which that could go up or down two or three. Um, They've got a home win against Sam Houston State, which is quad two. They schedule really well in the, like some of the off-brand games that they've, that they've, uh, that they've added. And then that Mountain West is very good. Like Boise State at home is a quad one win. Things like that for Nevada. So I think you need Nevada to lose. Again, I'm not sure that it matters, but Nevada is, is one of those teams. You also, uh, at 630, you really need Illinois to beat Penn State. Again, you want to make sure Clemson and Penn State are on a level playing field. Right now, it feels like for some guys that they that uh, Penn State gets a little bit of a bump over the top of Clemson. But if Penn State slips down and Clemson steps up, then all of a sudden, now, again, you're comparing peers. And guess who won the game when those two played head-to-head? Clemson. So once again, you're getting into a conversation where you beat some of these peer teams now, all people need to do is see you and this other team in, the, in a similar or the, the same light. And so, you need Illinois to beat Penn State. Personally, I think Penn State's going to win. I got Penn State plus two and a half. Gave that out on Twitter earlier today. And so, uh, Penn State's already beaten them by double digits twice. And uh, so, that's one to watch. Oklahoma State, Texas, 7 o'clock tonight. That's the ESPN2 game. I think you need Texas to win. 
I do. I think you need Texas to win and beat Oklahoma State. I like Texas minus six and a half. I gave that one out already today as well. Oklahoma State can't score, but they do play in the Big 12. So, like, every game you play in the Big 12 is a quad one. It's stupid. It's absolutely asinine the way the formula works on behalf of Big 12 schools. Regardless of that, Oklahoma State does not need to make a run. Uh, Oklahoma did not help Clemson's cause last night. They could have because that would have been a not-so-great loss for Oklahoma State on a neutral floor. But Oklahoma State needs to lose, and Clemson needs to win one or two. 9 o'clock, Boise State, UNLV. You got to root for UNLV. It's a home game for UNLV. Boise State's better, but that tournament is in Vegas. And so crazy things can happen. You need UNLV to get an upset win over uh, Boise tonight. Then obviously Clemson has to beat NC State. And then there's two others, New Mexico and Utah State. These are two bubble teams. I think Utah State is bubble in at this point. So I think you probably want New Mexico to win and beat Utah State and then probably lose their next game. I think that would be what you would root for. And then Arizona State, USC, I think you want to root for USC because I think USC is in the tournament, and I'm I'm not sure about Arizona State, but that's another team that's right there on the cusp of getting in. So before we go to Jason, just to recap, Mike, if anybody's listening and is trying to figure out who you want to root for, you want to root for Mississippi State against Florida. Excuse me, you want to root for Florida against Mississippi State. You want to root for Duke against Pittsburgh, UConn against Providence, Kansas against West Virginia, San Jose State against Nevada, Illinois against Penn State, Texas against Oklahoma State, UNLV against Boise State. You got to beat NC State. Uh, Utah, uh, New Mexico against Utah State, and USC against Arizona State. I know that's a lot, people. I know I threw a lot out there at you, but there's a lot going on today. This is the busiest day of the college basketball calendar in terms of high-level games per capita. Every single game matters. And the truth of the matter is, it might not matter more than one spot. But you got to have a lot of help in this situation because it would appear that the bracket industry thinks that Clemson's resume has more holes than the basketball people do. The Seth Greenbergs and the Jay Billises and the, the legitimate analysts from these networks. Let's go to Jason in Spartanburg who's up with us next. 654 roars the number. You want to call or you want to text the Adams Corrific text line. What's up, Jason? Hey, thanks for my call. Yes, sir. A couple of, uh, you know, talking about the NCAA tournament, you know, coming up to the, you know, on the selection, uh, time, selection show and everything. I, you know, I like to say a couple of changes made. For one, you know, uh, eight, eight or nine o'clock, I think, would be a better time for the, uh, for the selection show. It gets, you know, I know a lot last year Tennessee got kind of screwed out of one seed or maybe even a two because they played on a uh, Sunday. It was the bracket was almost just about made up for before then. They won the SEC tournament last year. It didn't really help them any, so they, they, they were put it at a, at a three seed. And then I know what's happened in the in SEC before. I think it's maybe the, 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 the Big 12, because Big 12 plays their championship games on Sunday. Also, even this is even a bigger deal to me. If you, if you make the uh, win, win your tournament, your 16th seed or whatever, you shouldn't have to play in the, the play-in game. Or they call it first round now, because the NCAA pretty determined to consider that part of the NCAA tournament, which, you know, everybody considers that a play-in game. I, I, all play-in games just seem to be at large. It's not fair for you to win your tournament to have to play another game, you know, to play on the, the big show on uh, Thursday, even though you're probably going to get beat by 30 or 40. It's, uh, I don't know, it's not fair to those teams. So that, that's my take on that. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks very much, Jason. Appreciate the phone call. You know, I, I really don't disagree with him. Uh, I don't disagree with Jason at all there. Um, I 
I feel like there needs there there really needs to be some sort of acknowledgement that the committee's work is going to be done before some of the games as scheduled are over. And I don't think it's right that the committee is telling us what their, you know, what their output is like right when a game has ended. I just don't. Now, it's also possible that they're that they are, have already planned a contingency for that game. If such and such wins, then we're going to give them this. If not, then we're not going to give them this. And so uh, so th- it's possible that that is true and that they're not looking at the game so much as what the result would mean. Um, but I, I kind of see what Jason's uh, coming from, where, where he's coming from there. Duke with an early 8 nothing lead, but Kyle Filipowski, two and a half minutes into the game, the ACC Rookie of the Year, is hobbling off the floor. Boy, he is not putting hardly any weight at all on that left ankle. And, boy, big guys and feet and ankles and knees, I don't want to mess with that. But the seven-footer limping off the floor, a good start for Duke until that point. He wrenched his ankle after kind of an awkward collision um, out on the perimeter with a pit defender. And so, again, Duke is up early, but uh, this this might be a good development for uh, for the Pitt Panthers. And not a good development is they've cashed in another three. So it's 11 nothing Duke now, less than three minutes in, in Greensboro Coliseum in game number two, which, again, is a that is a good development for Clemson if Duke wins this game and puts Pittsburgh squarely on the bubble. Stay with us. Final segment of the program inside the Upcountry Fiber Studios is coming up next. You're scared. You cannot pay your credit cards. You cannot pay your medical bills. Someone suggests to you get consolidation, combining them all in one payment. Can you really afford that? Is there something else you can do? Call me and see if bankruptcy can help you. Call me, Robert King. Together we will look for a thoughtful solution to your legal problem. Thompson and King, 300 South Tower Street in Anderson. Call 222-0200 or online at thompsonking.com. Thompson and King is a debt relief agency helping people file for bankruptcy under the bankruptcy code. With 11 different apartment communities in the Clemson area, Burton Properties wants you to know there are apartments ready for lease. In the Heritage at Riverwood and Heritage Point, they have units available for any size you need, and they are also reserving for the fall. Please visit their website at clemsonapartments.com. That's clemsonapartments.com. Or call 653-7717 or 654-1130. Burton Properties is family-owned and operated, and their family looks forward to serving you. Buying a newer pre-owned vehicle can be a challenging task. The George Coleman Ford team strives to change that. Perhaps that's why their online reviews and multiple Ford President's Awards speak volumes. And with new inventory arriving monthly, you can find the vehicle you've been looking for or have George Coleman Ford order one for you. Never any hidden fees or phantom charges at George Coleman Ford. Plain and simple, old-fashioned, honest business. The best is found in Traveler's Rest. George Coleman Ford. It's that time of year. Basketball, softball, football, and cheer. Teams are scrambling to get uniforms on time. Even with supply chain issues, ACD Sports in Easley can help. They work with several manufacturers and get great-looking stock jerseys or fully sublimated uniforms, all with the extras like tees, pants, belts, socks, and parent shirts. They can even set you up with a custom team store so you don't have to collect the money. ACD Sports, next to Chick-fil-A on 123 in Easley. Online at acdsports.com. 
Kitchens are the heart of the home. It's the one place for the family team huddle, an entertainment headquarters, a children's art museum, and most important of all, a place to enjoy good food with family and friends. That's why a kitchen not only should be stylish, but comfortable and functional. Linden Design is a full-service design studio that specializes in kitchen remodels. Their Spartanburg showroom has kitchen cabinets, lighting, and flooring to create a beautiful space. Call 864-494-4317 to schedule your consultation or visit their location at 101 Chester Street in Spartanburg. This is for the men who never settle, the ones who miss the fairway all day and still pull out the big stick, the type of guys who will always prefer to be behind the grill than in front of the camera, and the men who never let their friends forget about a high school nickname. This is the Lodge mentality. This is Twin Peaks. Who wants to settle for a single TV? With more TVs, bigger screens, plus our fabulous scenic views, there's more to watch at Twin Peaks. Hey, Tiger fans, Don Munson here to tell you about Buff City Soap. You'll find delightfully scented plant-based soaps that are handmade daily. They're on a mission to create handmade products that are free of harsh ingredients and full of nourishing plant-based goodies to make your skin happy. They have beard oil, pet soap, bath bombs, laundry soap, body butter, and more. The Munson household is sold. Nourish your skin at Buff City Soap with two locations to serve you in the upstate. Hartwell Village Shopping Center in Clemson and the shops at Green Ridge in Greenville. What do you mean he went searching for fresher powder? We have full classes today. Instructor down at Vesper Ski School. Toward each other to snow plow, honey, not away. She needs more ski instructors to slalom through the day-to-day. Pizza? Fries? Whoa, Braley, no! Pizza, pizza! Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. We instantly connect you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. This is The Roar, the home for everyone good enough to make varsity. 105.5 and 97.5 FM, where every day is game day. Sing my Sarah All right, final segment of the program. Glad to have you with us here on Out of Bounds. Waddup Tool and Road Rage from 3 until 7 after we're done today. I'm sure he'll continue to talk about this. I've got a thought or two about some of the NFL quarterback movement. The I know we talked about this a little yesterday. The Daniel Jones-Lamar Jackson comparison is absolutely eating my lunch today. I, I have no idea what this is about. I don't know why people are making this comparison. Like, because the Giants paid... Daniel Jones, a certain amount of money. Some teams should pay Lamar Jackson a significantly greater amount of money for more years. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not getting that. Duke is up 16-4 on Pitt, by the way. Just, I mean, just abusing Pittsburgh at the moment. And Mississippi State and Florida are tied at 51 with five and a half minutes left in the game. Uh, text from eight six four says, "Talk me off the ledge." I'm good at that. I have a sinking feeling that Clemson is going to win two games in the ACC tournament and still be left out on Selection Sunday. Now, I, I just want to i want to make sure people understand what this would mean, all right? Because I think there's a non-zero chance that that happens. This would mean that Clemson, who currently sits at 61 in the net, okay? A, a Clemson team that, if you look at their overall body of work, that they 
have uh, what three quad one wins? They're three and three in quad one. Three quad two wins. Three and two in quad two. Got the two quad three losses, the two quad four losses. We know about those. So the team has got six quality wins you can put on a resume. They would have a win over a top 50 team in, North, in, in uh, NC State, which would be a quad one win. That would be their third win against NC State and their second quad one win against NC State this season. And you would have another quad one win against Virginia, who currently sits 30 in the net, or North Carolina, who currently sits 44 in the net, because guess what? Neither one of those teams dropping out of the top 50. So you're telling me that Clemson, who would at that point be, if, if no other teams move, if no other teams are adjusted at all, if Virginia Tech doesn't somehow pick up two spots and make that a quad one win for Clemson, they're sitting 77 in the net right now. And trust me, it's happened. You can pick up or lose spot. We know this. You, you can gain or lose spots in the net without playing. If Virginia Tech picks up two spots, Clemson's got a quad one win in the net. In fact, they had a quad one win in the net before last night when NC State beat Virginia Tech. Uh, If Virginia Tech picks up two more spots, the home win over Virginia Tech becomes a quad two win. So that would help twice. Clemson would have five quad one wins. Again, if nothing else changes. They would have five quad one wins, three quad two wins, and a winning record in both the top two quads, both the top two quadrants. If you don't get in at that point, then they're looking for reasons not to put you in, period. This is why I say, and, and um, Larry Williams did, he, he, he had some reporting on this. And it came out a mm, couple hours ago, about the time we got on the air. And I saw it on Twitter. I believe somebody shared it. And his reporting basically says, which this is going to send some people into a frenzy. I'm really setting up wall for something nice here. Larry Williams is saying basically that it feels like Brad Brownell's not going anywhere. That this is not like a go to the NCAA tournament or bust. Because I think we all assume coming into the season that there was there were two options. Either they have a season good enough for the tournament and they make it. Or they either miss a postseason entirely or they do what they've done several times before in Brad Brownell's tenure, which is get oh so close, but they miss. And they miss because they just lost a bunch of close games or whatever the case may be. In which case, you could make the argument that change is necessary just to get them over the hump, right? You could just make that argument. But there was a third option where you have a guy who is a finalist for National Coach of the Year Award. You have a guy who got Coach of the Year votes in his conference. Not out of pity, but out of necessity, out of respect from his peers and from the media. You have a guy who had one of the top three ACC seasons in the history of the ACC. And contrary to popular opinion, this is not the first time that the ACC has struggled to metrically keep up. There have been some down ACCs that Clemson didn't just roll through like this. If you beat NC State by double figures tonight, there's a chance that you have double-digit wins over league opponents this year by double digits. Wow! And you break Mike Vaughn's pessimism. 
That's right. And you and you break Mike Vaughn's pessimism. Exactly right. Folks can go back to hour one if they want to hear about my stats about Clemson's um, losses away after a double-digit home win. So the reason I'm bringing all that up is simply this. You win 22 games. You win 14 in the league. You win a couple games. That means you would have 24 wins and 16 wins over peers in your league, including five quad one wins and three quad two wins. Two of those quad two wins would be in your league. So seven quality wins in your league. And you don't get in? I'm here to tell you right now, I'm a little uncomfortable with letting a third party tell me how to run my life. I'm a little uncomfortable with that. There are some people that say a season's not a success unless you go to the NCAA tournament. Okay, that's fine. I have also said the following, that that may be true, but also there is a middle ground. We talked about this for, when we were talking about offensive coordinator, we talked about this with, uh, with baseball coaching, with, with the Jack Leggett situation and the Monty Lee situation. I know this, that there is a middle ground between you have had a raging success and you ought to be fired. We, we try to live in this binary world. Again, I think most people saw this binary world where Graham Neff wrote the letter and then it was uh, they're either making a tournament and Brad's keeping his job or they're not making the tournament and he's not keeping the job. But the reality is there always was a third option. We just didn't really know it. We, Clips had never been there before. Clips had never been in the third option where you have an objectively successful season that could get even more objectively successful in the next three days. You have an objectively successful season with objectively successful players returning. P.J. Hall, Chase Hunter, Alex Hemingway, Ian Shefflin, all these freshmen, Godfrey, Wiggins, Beadle, Dylan Hunter. You have all these guys back. You're losing Tyson and Galloway. Those are big, but you're losing Tyson and Galloway from this team. Don't you want to run it back with this group next year? After the objectively successful season, not just objectively successful in the eyes of everybody, but objectively successful within the context of your own basketball program. It's an objectively successful season. And so Larry Williams is saying he's not getting the sense that Brad Brownell's going anywhere. And you know what? That might mean he's on the hot seat going into next season. And we might have the exact same conversation again, but it's going to be more nuanced this time because we know there's a third way. Here's why it's important to bring that up. Because just like the text from the A64 is saying, Clemson could win two games and knock it in the NCAA tournament. But wouldn't going to an ACC championship game, wouldn't that be a really good season? I mean, isn't, isn't that ultimately a successful campaign in the season and the ACC to put yourself in position to get the double bye, to put yourself in position to be the better rested team, to put yourself in position to play other peers at the top of the league and beat them and go play for an ACC title? It's definitely successful when you consider they were picked 11th in the preseason polls for the ACC. That's exactly right. That, that, there's, a, there's no question about it. No question whatsoever. I think if Clemson wins two games and you go to an ACC championship – you're going to find it very difficult to find a Clemson fan that's actually being legitimate who would say that season is not a resounding success. Resounding success. And there, are, there would be some reasons. There would be some reasons why if they got left out of the tournament in that situation. I, I think there's clearly a non-zero chance that they win the thing. 
And I've had to open up my eyes. I've had to widen my gaze a little bit to see that. Because I'll be honest, I've been conditioned as a Clemson fan, as a Clemson lifer who has watched this team go through ACC tournaments before, to think that no wins at the ACC tournament is the norm. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I bet Clemson's won zero ACC tournament games more than half of its history. I bet it's hard to find a time when Clemson's won more than one ACC tournament game. Very difficult, especially since the league was like eight or nine teams forever. And a lot of times you're playing an 8-1 game against North Carolina who's got better players and better coach and is getting all the calls in there. So I, I have tried over the course of this week to just free myself from this. To not worry about the ramifications of like, could they... Like, could Brad Brown really lose his job with 24 wins and 16 wins over league foes and five quad one wins and three quad two wins and a slew of quality wins on a road? Could that really happen with an objectively successful season that ends in an ACC title game or an ACC championship to boot, which gets you to the NCAA tournament, which would be great. That'd be gravy. I don't know. I understand the question. It's not a bad question. It really is not a bad question to be concerned about that. But... Once again, I can't let just, I'm, again, I'm putting myself in Graham Neff's shoes a little bit. I find it weird to think that a third-party entity gets to tell me what a successful season is and is not. I can look with my eyes and say that. And Graham is a very good basketball mind. He's got a basketball background. He knows what a successful season is and is not. A lot of the big donors are basketball people. They're not just people writing checks. They're people that know the game. They know what success is and is not. This, listen, if this team doesn't go to the NCAA tournament, it won't be like the Jerron Blossom game team that probably should have gone and lost a bunch of close games. It won't be like the team after the Sweet 16 that probably was good enough to go and didn't. It's not like that. This is just people objectively looking at an NCAA tournament team and saying they're not. And I think we all kind of know that. Like, even if you're an anti-Brad Brownell person, even if you are, you, you probably ought to just admit that that's the way this thing is going. That if they don't get in the tournament, it's just because somebody looked at a tournament team and said they're not. And those people are the ones making the decision. I think they're going to beat NC State by double digits tonight. Why? Because they always beat NC State by double digits. I think Smith and Joyner are going to have more combined field goal attempts than points. Why? Because they always do. And because they always go the other way and look super efficient against Virginia Tech. We proved it. We looked at the stats. The game last night where they scored 50 points, they always score 50 points against Virginia Tech. And they always do it in like 20 shots. Always. Clemson's going to play well tonight, and they're going to win. And a lot of people are going to be asleep because it's going to be late. And Don Munson and Jim Davis are going to be broadcasting a semifinal game tomorrow against either Virginia or North Carolina. And that's going to be a momentous occasion in the history of Clemson men's basketball because Clemson men's basketball doesn't go to the semifinals of the ACC tournament. And then they got a great chance to win both those games. I think Virginia is a better matchup for them. They got a great chance to win both those games. And then you know what's going to happen after that? Don and Jim and Ben Milstead is going to be there and they're going to broadcast an ACC championship final. And I've seen that one time in my 33 years. One. That's success. That's what it looks like. When you're doing stuff that doesn't happen, when you're showing people that you can be on a stage that you've not been on, 
I don't care what your peer group looks like. You're now on that stage because you earned it and because you had a successful season. And there's the optimism we've been looking for all day. Not on this side of the glass, but on that side of the glass. They're going to win tonight. They're going to win tonight. You mark my words. Plus one and a half, minus one and a half, I don't care. They're going to win tonight. They're going to win by double digits again because they always win by double digits. Let's you, know, you know what? I took uh, Iowa State plus five today against Baylor. You know why Iowa State beat Baylor? Because they beat Baylor twice. They beat them twice. It's not a fluke. It's not hard to beat a team twice when you've handled them twice. Or to beat a team three times when you've handled them twice. It's kind of hard when you're winning coin flips. you got to win three straight coin flips. But when you're beating a team like Clemson beating NC State, that ain't hard to do again. Because there's something to it. There's something foundationally undergirding it that's legit. Mike, I'll talk to you tomorrow, buddy. God bless. We'll see you then. Walt is up next. WCCP-FM 105.5, Clemson, Greenville, Anderson, WAHT AM 1560, Cowpens, 97.5, Spartanburg. We are the Roar. Race for the Green date is getting closer. It's March 11th. If you want to go ahead and sign up, you can do that. Sign up today while we still have some openings.